The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report is out now. Search ey.com slash ie slash CEO and discover the key topics on the minds of Ireland's leading CEOs. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week I'm looking at house prices and the differences highlighted by recent reports from property websites myhome.ie and Daft. My Home suggests that price growth slowed in the second quarter, while Daft has reported another period of growth. In a few moments, Owen Burke Kennedy will run through the differences, while Marion Finnegan of Sherry Fitzgerald will give the estate agent's view on the ground, and Cliff Taylor will explain what the ECB's expected rate hikes might mean for house buying over the next 12 months. I began by asking Owen Burke Kennedy to run through the headline differences in the My Home and Daft reports. Yeah, well, we had two reports in the last number of days. One uh, telling us um, that house price growth was slowing in the face of cost of living concerns and rising interest rates. And another saying that they're accelerating uh, fast approaching Celtic Tiger levels uh, amid chronically low levels of supply. So a bit of a head scratcher, but I'll go through the first one. Last Friday, we had myhome.ie. They suggested asking prices rose by just under 11% in the second quarter of this year. They put the median uh, or midpoint asking price at €320,000 nationally. Now, this represented a kind of slight slowdown on asking price inflation. It was over 12% in the previous quarter. So that roughly tallies with the kind of um, central statistics office uh, latest residential property price index. Now, that's actually based on actual transactions as opposed to asking prices. But that also showed a slowdown in price growth in April So that kind of tallies with the narrative that we all seem to be getting, which is that we're going to experience a slowdown in property prices, maybe even a small correction as demand dampens over the next few months and, you know, rising living costs hit consumer demand. And we got the prospect of higher interest rates, which nearly uh, axiomatically always leads to a lowering of price growth in the housing market. Then on Monday, we had property website Daft's latest quarterly report, and that pointed in a different direction slightly. That suggested that um, house price acceleration or house price growth had accelerated to 9.5% in the second quarter. That was up from just under 9%. And it also said that asking prices rose by 3.8% in the second quarter. And that was the largest uh, you know, three-month gain we've seen in nearly two years. So that emphasis was on you know, that supply was still chronically low and therefore that was driving uh, prices forward. So um, it's difficult to know what to make, but uh, you know, a lot of people thought we were making maybe a mountain out of Mohill by suggesting that the reports were facing in different directions. The headline inflation numbers at 10.9% and 9.5% are not miles apart. It may just be a little bit of statistical noise as the market turns in a different direction. Yeah, sure. Um, interesting. I should say, uh, first of all, that myhome.ie, of course, is owned by the Irish Times, and just so everybody's aware of that. And uh, secondly, that um, the DAF report also showed that uh, prices uh, it seems to be accelerating. The price growth seems to be accelerating in Dublin, uh, which is perhaps a trend we hadn't uh, quite expected given the, the level of um, the headline level of prices. But maybe we should go to the estate agent in the room, as it were, and ask uh, Marion Finnegan, what's, what's been the experience of Sherry Fitzgerald uh, so far this year in terms of house price growth? I think we're probably um, more seeing a, a decelerating level of price inflation for a wonderful better way of describing it. So we're, we're just pulling our figures together for the end of the second quarter because we're not quite at the end of the second quarter yet. I'm going to be me now and saying I don't know how everybody else has their figures before the end comes. But it looks to us like 
average values in the first half of the year will have grown somewhere about nine and a half or ten percent and a bit uh, similar to um, what we would have said a quarter ago we're seeing much level higher levels of inflation outside of Dublin rather than in Dublin itself so the level of inflation in Dublin is coming in lower in around eight percent outside of Dublin coming in higher at around eleven percent and there's reasonable variances within that so the northwest and the southeast still looks like areas of very high inflation, pushing closer to 20% in the 12-month period, whereas in the areas of, of higher urban density, so like Dublin, Cork and Limerick, there's lower levels of inflation. And the logic that I can see coming through, which is a bit unusual for Ireland, it hasn't been seen before, but we're certainly seeing it in the last 12 months, is that where you see real pinch points of supply, so where in rural Ireland we haven't replenished the stocks at all, we haven't been building anything like enough anywhere, we certainly haven't been building building stock in rural Ireland. That's where that price inflation is coming from most. And it probably is fair to say that a lot of the properties that are that are experiencing real, relatively high levels of inflation, particularly in the last 12 months, are probably still selling for less than replacement cost. So that was such was the caution prices in those locations over the, the previous 10 years. Dublin, a more mooted level of inflation, but still high enough at 8%. That's still relatively high. But the sense on the ground is for the first sort of five months of the year, we saw quite frenzied activity in terms of bidding processes where people, remember we started the year with the lowest stock that I've, I've seen recorded ever, and we don't have records going back very long because it's only since the portals began, but about 14,000 units on the market at the beginning of the year, which is incredibly low, less than 1% in most locations in the country. Um, that really tight supply led people to sort of be frenzied in terms of their bidding process. That has eased a little bit. Now, some of that might be the noise around interest rates going up. Some of it could just be there's a bit more stock because it's the summer and there's a little bit more stock out there or a bit of realism coming in. But I think the the rising costs of, of living is having a little bit of an impact, but it's probably a, as much that and rising interest rates and a bit of seasonality in it, but definitely a slower pace of, of frenzied activity and a little bit lower level of price inflation coming through. Yeah, Marion mentioned interest rates there. Cliff, uh, this might be the point for you to jump in. We know that the ECB is going to begin it hiking its rates uh, from next month. Um, and you were on the podcast recently suggesting probably a quarter of a percentage point, um, maybe a half but probably a quarter, um, but that they there will be more increases uh, as the year rolls on. So um, what impact might that have on demand in the housing market? Well, there's no doubt, as, as Owen said, that all other things being equal, higher interest rates are going to take some demand out of the market. I suppose the flip side is that supply in the market is still so terrible that it's hard to predict exactly uh, what that's going to mean for prices. But I guess since we did the last podcast, the language from the ECB has got has got tougher still, particularly this week. Christine Lagarde is being out banging the drum again, and now there's a bit of I think there's a bit of uh, what you might call verbal intervention going on here in the market. There's uh, kind of an attempt by central banks across the world to kind of dampen people's expectation of where inflation is going to go and 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 pretend that central banks have some kind of magic wand that that can fix inflation. But in fact, they're they're actually in a really difficult position. Because the more they hike interest rates over the next coming months and going into 2023, the, the greater the danger to growth. Already talk around about US recession, growth fears in Europe as well. So it's a very tricky balance. But I think in terms of uh, in terms of homeowners, we spoke last time about the likelihood of a quarter percent rise in July and the possibility of half. The possibility bit of that has probably uh, increased a bit since. So, you know, it could be a quarter, it could be half. There certainly is a... 
a cabal on the ECB board that wants to move quickly and that will push for a half in July, I think, and a lot will rest on the inflation figures for uh, for June, which will come out in early July. I think if, if they are strong again, we, we could see a half point rise. Either way, I think we'll see a rise in July and a rise again in September when the ECB meets again. Uh, if the one in July is quarter, the one in September will certainly be a half. And the plan, I think, and the indication will be of, of a further increase before the end of the year. So a real turn in interest rates and, and a real change in uh, in the borrowing outlook, I think, for people. And we saw that in the uh, Banking Federation figures earlier this week, which showed a huge level of switching activity in the market. So people are preparing themselves, which is good. They are looking at their mortgage exposure. They are hearing what's happening and, and they are taking action. A lot of people in terms of switching their mortgages, fixing their mortgages, just trying to see what arrangements they have and what's on offer before uh, before this turns as it's going to over the next couple of months. But I think inevitably now we're going to see fixed rate offers going up. We're going to see uh, variable rate mortgages going up. And uh, once, the, once the ECB moves its main uh, policy rate, there we're going to see tracker rates going up as well. So, so general shift upwards across the market. An interesting analysis by Good Body Area this week calculated that you know the impact on households would is obviously going to be significant, but still nothing like what happened uh, uh, before the uh, before the financial crash. So you know uh, manageable, I think, for, for for most households, but still sore considering the uh, other cost of living pressures which households are feeling. And looking at twelve months now, Cliff. Uh, what kind of increase do you think we'll have, cumulative increase do you think we'll have from the ECB? The base case scenario for uh, the markets at the moment is that uh, by kind of mid, late 2023, say say this time in 2023, that ECB base rates might be around 2.5%. Uh, I think the risk is probably, looking at it now, you, you could say the risks to that are kind of, are kind of balanced uh, looking at the language of Christine Lagarde, you might say, well, you know, might they be 3% higher in, in a year's time than they are now, or three and a bit. But I think the flip side to that is the real politic of what happens if there's a growth hit to Europe uh, in, in the autumn, you know, for example, from higher energy prices, we know that there's a threat to gas supplies, all these uncertainties around. So if there is a growth hit to Europe, you know, the ECB, the ECB's mandate is purely is 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 single focus. It's to get inflation down to two percent. But the reality is, if there's a growth hit to Europe, if recession comes or or very slow growth, well, that in itself will act to bring down inflation. So the ECB may not have to move as 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 much as it otherwise would. But I think two and a half percent higher by this time next year, at the end of next year, is a reasonable midpoint at the moment. Um, Marion Finnegan, in addition to selling houses, Sherry Fitz now is uh, a mortgage broker as well. So you're having conversations with people presumably around uh, interest rates, where they're going to go and uh, what kind of uh, value is in the markets. Any sense of when the banks might move on their interest rates? Are they likely to be in lockstep with the ECB um, permanent TSP suggesting last week at its AGM that, you know, the first increase, they might not pass it on? Yeah, there's probably mixed messages there. I think it, it probably depends on each of the different financial institutions. Um, we are, we will see some movement though pretty quickly. What, you know, the BPFI figures that came out there earlier in the week did show a high level of switching. So I think, I suppose, if we compare where we are now to where we would have been 10 years ago, if the interest rates, which is the last time we saw interest rate movements, at least now there are a whole suite of long-term fixed rates out there. Not all of them with Bank of Ireland and AIB, but with the other newer lenders that do offer people alternatives. So it's not as 
um, you know, as dreadful a situation as it would have been 10 years ago to see that cycle of persistent interest rate increases, at least today or certainly last week. Anyway, I've checked today. You can go out and get a 2.9% 30-year mortgage with, with one of with Finance Ireland, Avant Mortgages at the time were offering some interesting rates as well. So there are some really good long-term fixed rates, which I think new purchases in the market need to um to become aware of more uh, and start to look at that as a solution to counteracting this sort of this movement and the vulnerability of those rising interest rates. But we will expect to see rate movements in the next couple of weeks, without a doubt. I think. Yeah, I suppose at this at this point in time, a two point nine percent rate over thirty years, if that's the length of your mortgage, it looks quite attractive, I guess. But yeah. is, is it a, is it a good idea to? Lock in for so long? Well, actually, that book, that one was a particularly attractive one. Not that I'm doing a pitch for that one, but they were allowing you to change your your um, your fixed rate, and it, it moved with your LTI over time. So as your sorry, as your as the value in your property grew, your mortgage rate changed. So you know, there's at this point we've had such. Um, a long period with no interest rate movements that people have probably become a bit relaxed and not worried about it. I think we need to be more cognizant of what the future is. And if you can afford it today, it's not a bad position to be in to, to fix for maybe not 30, but certainly for 10-year periods is a good option out there. Cliff, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think uh, I think Marion's right. And uh, I think in contrast to maybe four or five years ago when there were very tight uh, rules surrounding fixed rates, so you know difficulties in 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 making additional repayments. For example, if you came into some money, uh, or, or difficulty breaking the fixed rate if you decided you want to at some time in future. I think the rules that attach to a lot of the fixed rate deals now are uh, are, are are a lot more attractive for borrowers. And as Marion said, you know some some really interesting longer term fixed rate offers. Now you know it's hard to call. Look, who on earth knows where interest rates are going to be in five years' time? Um, but a long-term rate of, of below three percent is, is is certainly something worth uh, w- worth looking at, and uh, even as as Marion said to, f- to 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 fix for the next three, five, seven years or whatever uh, takes the takes the worry I think out of what could be a volatile period certainly over the next year to eighteen months. With increasing pressures, Ireland CEOs are working hard to navigate the rapidly evolving business landscape. The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report takes a deeper dive into the topics that are on the minds of Irish CEOs at the moment, and importantly, the issues that leaders should be paying attention to. Discover the key actions to consider as you seek to reshape the future of your organisation at ey.com slash ie slash CEO. Umber Kennedy, um, we started off by saying it's it can be a bit confusing looking at the housing numbers. It can also be a bit confusing trying to figure out precisely where the Irish economy is in technical terms, in GDP terms, you've written about this. Um, the Irish economy doesn't seem to be heading for a recession or anywhere close to it right now. Um, but in terms of uh, domestic demand or if you, you know, go to the man on the street, it's a much different picture, isn't it? Yeah, there's um, quite a different feel to the street level feel of the Irish economy compared to GDP. And we know GDP is kind of warped or inflated by multinational activity here. So it's become increasingly remote from the kind of what I describe as the real feel of the Irish economy. So while we're expected to grow by about 7% this year, which will probably be unmatched by any other country in the world, given the multi-crisis we're going through, but um, the RSI are also um, marking our cards, noting the fact that real incomes are probably going to be squeezed by about 4%. And we haven't had that decline in real incomes for a number of years. So you know, as Cliff said earlier, there's going to be a kind of soreness felt by households. 
And, you know, when interest rates start rising as they will, that'll be the fourth big ticket item for households on top of, you know, energy bills, transport costs and uh, more spending on groceries. So it's going to be a little bit of a storm for household budgets over the next, you know, six to eight months. And then there's just a lot of blind spots in the equation. We don't know just how long this cost of living squeeze is going to go on for and will it get worse in reaction to maybe a ratcheting up of the energy crisis later in the year? Morgan Stanley were out this morning talking about a mild recession in the fourth quarter in the Eurozone. Um, we've also then got, you know, will, will the ECB move uh, more aggressively over the next few months, uh, heaping more pain on, on mortgage holders? And then just in the housing market, we also then have supply rising. So will that dampen demand a little bit and take the heat out of the market even further? And then there's even within that metric, you know, input cost inflation in the construction sector may um, see a number of these projects, you know, delayed, cancelled or whatever. So it's difficult really just to pinpoint the exact outlook. Marion, you're an economist. What's your read on uh, the state of play in the Irish economy at the moment, there's no doubt there's um, there are a lot of challenges, and, and the international geopolitical situation is, is putting a, a damper on consumer sentiment, and we can definitely see the impact of that across the wider economy, and that will impact demand levels. I suppose coming into this, we have come into it with a very high level of savings, which will be a nice cushion for Irish consumers. Now you say that, and then they'll you know. Not everyone has accumulated significant savings, but a good chunk of the population has. So that is a nice cushion. And just on the implications for the housing market, I mean, we are, if you think about, we've just seen the census figures, preliminary census figures last week, which showed that we've now 5.12 million people living in the state, higher than we've had in the last you know, hundreds of years. And yet our housing market is at its most dysfunctional level. And we have we will expect to see an improvement in terms of the delivery of stock this year. So we might get to 20 five, 26,000 units, maybe a little bit higher this year, of which about seven or 8,000 will go into the private sector. Seven or 8,000 houses going into the private sector when our population is growing as dramatically as it is. It's just, just a drop in the ocean. So I don't really, you know, uh, and I'm not saying nothing will ever damage the housing market because where we are, but we do have, we are in a particular pinch point of stock. So we had expected that we deliver the 26, 27,000 units this year. That would grow next year. But because of the constraints in terms of, of uh, the supply products needed to deliver homes, the likelihood is that uptick that we expect next year won't occur. But if you go into the raw figures on the census and you don't even assume that the population is going to accelerate its growth level or that there will be further migration to Ireland, if you just assume the trend lines that we expected five years ago will persist, and you expect us to, at any point in the next 15 years, get a European or a UK standard housing market, we need to deliver 50,000 houses a year. Not 30, not 20, but 50. That's the reality, because while we've been saying for the last, are we 10 years saying we need 30,000 houses a year, and we haven't even delivered over 20 more than once or twice? You know, that is the gap that's being created. So rather than you know, um, I'm, I'm not at all concerned that supply is improved. I think it is a phenomenal improvement to see a little uptick in supply. What we really need to do is see that really appreciating in, in the medium term. We need to have more normalised housing markets. Just explain to us why so few houses are actually going into the private sector. Well, it's a blend of a lot of things. So we've got standalone homes still be the big part of it. Um, we've got a big ramp up in terms of social housing and, and um, that's taking a chunk of the property. So if you take a third, a third and a third, we're left with about 7,000 into the private housing sector. PRS is a factor there as well. 
So if you look at the uptick in apartment dwellings in, in the planning process and in the completion process in the last couple of years, there's a lot more properties going into that sector. Does that continue in the next little while? At that level, probably not. Um, so there are a lot of, of hands in the pie that's not big enough, all taking their slice, and therefore there's not enough private homes being built. And if I could just jump back on something that I'm always bandwagging on, there's even less going into the letting sector. So while we have a bit of an uptick in terms of PRS construction of apartments, we have today on DAFT about 800 properties available to rent in the country. If it was 10 years ago, there'd be 20,000. And that is probably the biggest um, uh, concern I'd have for the market going forward. And a lot of political pressure to keep institutional landlords, not to keep them out of the market, but to, to sort of keep their influence in the market uh, down somewhat. Which is, it makes absolutely no sense when you don't have enough accommodation available. I think we should encourage all participants in the Latin's market. And they do have a role to play and a really important role to play, particularly in the urban housing markets. But so do the private um, one-off investors. They have a role to play. We're a very, very sparsely populated country. And just as I've said earlier on, that price inflation is greater outside the urban centres than in the urban centres. So is rental inflation and so is the rental crisis. And more and more people are spreading their wings in terms of their location choice. They're not all choosing to live in Dublin too because they're working in Dublin too. People are are, are living more in, in, in greater distance from their office because they're not all there five days a week, et cetera. And that's putting even more pressure on the rural housing market. So I think... The very, very big crisis we have, just wait till we see the students coming back in September, leaving certain results right in the 2nd September. Just wait for the queues for students getting accommodation outside all of the universities, cities. It's going to be a huge problem for the auto market because there is no stock available. Cliff, that's a rather depressing uh, picture that Marion is painting for us there. Uh, would you concur with this uh, view that we, we need, probably need 50,000 new bills a year to you know keep pace with uh, the various factors at play? Well, Marion would be it would be much closer to the numbers, Kieran, than I'd be. But uh, I think it's obvious that what we're doing is 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 well short of what we need to be doing. And uh, you know, as she said, a lot of the new supply coming on stream now, and and increasingly over the next year or two, it seems, looking at the figures, is 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 apartment building, and most of that will be uh, will be for buy to uh, buy 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 to or built to rent at least for the built to rent sector uh, owned by investors so that is that means fewer uh, fewer housing developments new private housing developments uh, and there does look to be a particular shortage of those over the next couple of years uh, and, and also um, a huge lack of rental properties in the kind of middle lower part of the market you know so the uh, the built to rent is going is going to supply a particular part of the market and that's that's needed too, uh, but uh, we've we've just extraordinary little supply at the lower end of the market and the government seems just a bit kind of to run out of ideas a bit in terms of 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 how to deal with this. I mean we've all these longer term plans, uh, which which are great and cost rental and uh, all all these useful issues, but they're 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 taking a heck of a lot of time to come on stream. But isn't the reality, Cliff, uh, that there is no solution to the housing crisis, um, in spite of what some uh, opposition parties might have us believe? Well, there's no quick solution for sure, because houses take a few years to build. But we have to believe that there is a solution. I mean, other countries can manage this and have managed this. And, and maybe we just need to be honest with ourselves and, and, and set out a five-year time frame rather than kind of going from one short-term solution to the next. So, I mean, the next thing that's going to come on stream now is the government shared equity scheme. Uh, which is going to provide another uh, leg up to demand in the market. So you're going to have people uh, getting the help to buy scheme, helping them with their deposit, some of them going into the shared equity scheme. And, you know, there there are 
kind of valid arguments for for these schemes kind of in a general way but but I don't think there are arguments for them in a market that's so short of supply as the Irish one is because all they're going to translate to is higher prices. Yeah. I think in all of the major countries around the world I mean correct me if I'm wrong there are um big issues around housing yeah. and huge debates around them and there simply isn't enough um in, probably in every category. I mean it's Absolutely. it's a bit more polarized than Ireland because we're a smaller country I suspect. Yeah. But I think they're having the same debates in Britain and New York and Paris and places like that. Big cities everywhere, I think. Uh, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. But I do think there are some outstanding, uh, to use the other, to use that phrase in the in the other sense, are unusual factors of the Irish market. I mean, the lack of private rental property. Uh, I think here is is probably pretty extraordinary from an international point of view. I mean, I know there are price pressures in big cities like uh, New York and London as well. Uh, and and the and the, just the generally low level of building, um, so a common international problem, but particularly acute here. And if you look at the level of rents here compared to international norms, I think it, I think it reflects that. I mean, the level of rental here isn't really supported by the kind of fundamentals of the Irish economy. Whatever about the level of house prices, the level of rents are just completely out of line. Okay, before we close, uh, Marion Finnegan, I must ask you, um, Sherry Fitzgerald, uh, the workplace uh, was sold recently. Um, changing ownership with uh, Castlegate Inve- Investments, which is uh, owned by the entrepreneur Tommy Kelly, um, taking over. Um, so, what what does the future hold for for Sherry Fitz? Uh, how's everybody feeling about it? It's been it's been a very exciting time, honestly. Um, we've uh, we've gotten to know Castlegate over the last couple of weeks and months, and I think they'll be a great addition to the company. We've been in existence for forty years. Our shareholder um, base was getting older and ready to retire in, in the in the main. So this is a fantastic injection of new energy into the company, and we have lots of plans for the future. So delighted to welcome the the new team on board, and looking forward to the next stages for the company, Karen. All right, plenty more houses to sell over the years, I'm sure. Um, okay, Marion Finnegan, uh, Cliff Taylor, and Umbro Kennedy. Thank you for joining Inside Business. Thanks. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Cliff Taylor, Marion Finnegan and Owen Burke-Kennedy. The show was produced by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com and you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.